camping. That was the first time that we've went as a family to camp together. So all four, all of us, all four kids sleeping in the tent, and and it wasn't it wasn't very hot. Um, thankfully, it didn't get very hot while we were there. One night it was in the forties, and uh, so we had to roll that campfire up and get it going. And uh, the girls did get a couple of them. I'm cold. And so they had to wrap a little bit tighter in their blankets, you know, and uh, they, they made it through the night. But it was, it was such a good time, and uh, I did not catch any fish. I am such the great fisherman, and uh, we spent a couple hours out there fishing, and uh, we caught a big nothing, and, uh, it was, but it was a good time. Had a good time with the family. And uh, you have your Bibles. Take it to the book of Acts, chapter number 1. We've been studying here, or started going through the book of Acts last week, but next week is Mother's Day. We'll take a break, and, and I really, I, really the Lord's impressed on my heart and um, preached to you about a, a mother and the Bible, and, and I'm thankful for my mom, and we'll get, we'll get a chance to next week, and thank God for mothers, and to have an opportunity to honor our mothers and that are here, and and uh, those that have gone on to be with the Lord as well. And, you know, can't ever forget the influence that a mother has. I, I'm not getting ahead of myself here, but I thank the Lord uh, for the opportunity to be able to do that. But Acts chapter 1, Jesus has just left. Um, he ascended into clouds, as we talked about last week. And uh, this is the next statement of verses. We're going to take two or three verses here and uh, really try to dissect it. If you looked... In the bulletin, the title of the message is One Accord. In chapter 1 and verse number 14, there's a verse, there's a word that the Bible uses in verse number 14 that will take the thrust of what I want to do my best to, to share with you about the, that statement, um, One Accord. And we'll go more into depth in that in just a little bit. But you have your Bible. Let's go ahead and stand if you can. And we'll read these few verses together uh, just out of respect for reading of God's Word. Uh, Acts chapter 1, and let's begin reading. We're going to read verse number, we'll go ahead and read four verses that because 12 kind of sets the stage of where they're at. Bible says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem at Sabbath day's journey. So they went into Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Spirit as they were told to do. And they were come in, and they all went up into an upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealotus, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued, read the next three words with me out loud, if you will. Uh, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst uh, of the disciples and said the number of the names together were about a hundred <coughs> and twenty. Let's pray. Lord, we've, we've prayed this morning <coughs> already. But ultimately, I ask you right now that you'd give me the ability to speak what you want me to speak. 
Lord, I also ask that, that we as a church, we would have this, what the Bible talks about here in Acts chapter 1, being one accord. I truly believe that this is what you want for us. This is what you desire for every, every church, every, every believer is to be in that one accord. And Lord, help me to convey the thoughts that you want me to. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. You are truly the best thing that has ever happened to me. Love you, Jesus. And amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank you for standing. As we look in this text, though, we just break it down a few verses here. Verse number 12 tells us the place that they went was into Jerusalem. Verse number 13 tells about the specific place that they went. They did not only just go into Jerusalem, but they went into a specific place. They went into an upper room. Now, I don't know if it's the same upper room that the disciples had gathered for the Last Supper. I don't know if it's the same room or not, but it is described as an upper room. Maybe it might be the upper room that they met with Jesus on the Last Supper. But it doesn't really matter where it was. Ultimately, it matters that they were all together in one room uh, uh, waiting what they were supposed to do, waiting for the Holy Spirit. See, what was taking place is they were simply doing what they were told to do. They were simply obeying what God had commanded them to do. Uh, Too many times in our own Christian life when God commands us to do something, we want to do our own thing. But they simply did what God wanted them to do. And they were waiting, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Waiting. But while they were there, we not only see the place that they were, but who were the people that were there. In verse number 13, the Bible tells us that in the upper room there was Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealotus and Judas the brother of James. Who, is, who are those men? Those men are what we would call the twelve disciples, only they're missing one. As Judas. Because Judas betrayed Jesus and then went and killed himself. These were the 11 that were left. These were the 11 that met with Jesus in the Last Supper. These were the 11 disciples that were left. Now the Bible gives us four different times in the Scripture. It tells us or gives us the list of the disciples. This is the only list in the Bible that leaves out Judas the Iscariot. Judas was no longer with them. Judas was no longer a part of that. Judas was no longer with these disciples. But then you'll notice they were not the only ones in the upper room. They were not the only disciples that were in the upper room. And if you later on and you look in verse number 14, there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room. Now, I will, I will want you to know this too. This is the last mention of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Look, if she is so important to the church, this was the last time she was ever mentioned. She ain't ever mentioned again in the Scriptures. And the Bible says, and 
his brethren. Now, I don't know for sure, but it almost makes me think that his brothers, Jesus' own brothers, were in the upper room as well. But not only was Mary the mother of Jesus and possibly the brothers of Jesus, because before here, her brothers, Jesus' brothers, were unbelievers. They did not believe in Jesus. They did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. For whatever reason, they they did not agree. But at some point, they believed. I don't know if this is the experience that made them believe that. But as they said in this upper room, and verse number 15 tells us how many there were. About 120. So we see that the place that they are gathered in is the upper room, and the people that are gathered there was about 120, his disciples, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, some, and his brethren. And again, I, uh, I would tend to think that it's his own brethren, but I'm not going to definitively tell you that that's what that means. But they are gathered in the upper room, 120, waiting on the Holy Spirit. Now, I will say this too, that the only person that can give us the Holy Spirit is God. Nobody came down and gave them the Holy Spirit except God. Amen. When I got the Holy Spirit, no man or no individual gave me the Holy Spirit. It was God that gave me the Holy yes. Spirit. The Bible says in this verse, in verse number 14, now let's read the thrust of the idea that I have, if you will. In verse number 14, these all, who's these all? These 120 that were there uh, continued, read the next three words with me one more time, with one accord. So I have one thought, one point, number one, is one accord. What does that word mean, one accord? Let's just put it into perspective. Uh, if you will, I'll try to define it for you. It's kind of like unanimously. Everybody together, unanimously. If we went around the room today... Uh, I don't know, there's a good group of people here this morning, but I would say that there's probably, there might be a handful of people that might would agree on their favorite color. Uh, Right? I would say my favorite color is blue. And uh, who else's favorite color is blue? You know what, that's not unanimously. Okay? My favorite team is is the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's see whose team is that. I'm the only one in the room. That is not unanimously. Y'all need to get on board. You hear me? Get on board with it. If we went around the room, there's many things in this room that it's not going to be unanimous. But if we went around the room, I would hope that it would be unanimous. We're all part of the family of God. But, but may I say to you that there's a big possibility that there's somebody who sits in this church who is not a born-again believer and we're not all on the same page. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're not all unanimously. Right. Do you know how many things that we could agree on? 
Unanimously? Nothing? <laughs> Come on, right? Yeah, yeah, this guy has this idea and she has that idea. You've got your ideas and we, we can't ever get on the same page. The Bible says that they were with one accord. They were unanimously, they were all together on the same page. Yes. Believing the same thing. Doing the exact same thing. Together. Yes. How hard would that be to get everybody in one accord in this room on a football team? <laughs> on a baseball team? Don't be hating on the Houston Astros, right? <laughs> or the Indians? The <laughs> or the Bulldogs? Huh? We sure ain't going to agree on that one. The Titans? No. Yeah, yeah, that's what you Look, mean. we would have trouble agreeing on the same team. But you know whose team I'm on? Amen. I'm on that team. Amen. If you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you're on the same team. Yeah. Amen. And you know what? We can put away the issues that you have and your issue of being an Indian fan. We can put that to the side, right? And we can... I, I better quit before I make somebody mad. We can put those things to the side and unanimously come together as a group, as a born-again believers, and unanimously forget those issues that we have against each other and those issues that, well, I don't like how she does this, or I don't like what they do over there, or I don't like what's going on over here, and put those aside and come together unanimously for the church, for God, for the things of Him and come together with one accord. Because those disciples, they weren't, they didn't all believe the same way. They didn't all have the same ideas because nobody does. But what they did is they put those issues aside and they put those things that they disagreed with to the side and said, let's come together and let's be unanimous. You know what we need, church, is a unanimous church. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh, come on, Bridget. A church that is together. A church that doesn't, doesn't pull against each other. Bridget, come on. A church that says, well, I don't, let's complain over here and complain over here to this one and, and cause a bunch of, no, we don't need that. No, no. We need to be unanimous. If Acts number 1 doesn't take place, Acts chapter 2 never does. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people get baptized. 3,000 people join the church. Because of Acts chapter 1. It never takes place without the unanimous, without the one accord, togetherness. We're not going to agree on everything. Sadly enough, we're just not. But we have to put those things aside and come together and be unanimous. And what? And together, all with one accord. How many of them? How many of them? 
all of them except for the all of them except for the Indian fans or or the Bulldog fans or the, the Titan fans or or for the Houston Astro fans. It doesn't say that, does it? It says all of them. It says all 120 put away their issues, put away their disagreements, put away those things that they didn't agree on, and they put them away and said, let's come together in one accord. Every one of them. 120 of them. All of them. With one accord. For what? What did they then do? Read that next word. With one accord, prayer. Pr- Did I hear that right? Praying? Praying. You know that one of the most important things that you do when you pray is to put away those things that are in your way. Yes. The Bible says with prayer and supplication. That supplication means to, to petition God. God, I need, I need it. Prayer is that sweet communion with God. We need collectively to pray together. We need to collectively, unanimously, in one accord, pray. Well, I don't like how they pray. Did you see what color she had on today? She didn't even talk to me. Put away those things and come together to pray and to supplicate. Petition God for. Put it away so that we can all be unanimous. Because can you imagine... Being in a room full of 120 people and all of them praying for the same thing. Right. And all of them petitioning God for the same thing. If you'll read that verse as well, not only does it say that all of them were praying, not only does it say that they were praying and supplicating, but it also says in that same verse, in verse number 14, these all continued How long did this continue take place? How long were they praying for? How long were they praying for? How long were they petitioning God for? How long did they beg God for the Holy Spirit of God? How long did they stay together praying unanimously? They continued until it happened. Bible says men ought always to pray. Bible says that we ought to pray without ceasing. Yes. The Bible tells us that we are to pray, petition unto God. It is a command for us to pray. Yes. But I truly believe, <coughs> you want to see God work, <clears throat> let's come together. Let us pray in unity. Yet the Bible says in Psalms 133, brethren is good. For us to dwell in unity. We have disagreements, right? Yes or no? Are you perfect? No. No. But let's come together unanimously and pray that God would work 
for our church. But look, ultimately, they just wanted to pray to God. It doesn't say what they prayed for. It doesn't say how long they prayed for. But ultimately, they prayed together unanimously, and they prayed until it happened, and they prayed to who? Jesus. To God. It's important. We have prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. What's the purpose of having a prayer meeting in the middle of the week? Nah. Let's get together and gossip about who's sick and gossip about what's going on, right? That's why you have prayer requests. So you can gossip about somebody because they're out and doing something they shouldn't do. Well, pray for this person because, no, that, that's not what prayer meeting's about. Prayer meeting is about prayer. Yeah. I remember in Bible college, we had a prayer revival. And uh, this man came in and preached to us, but, but we had prayer meeting every morning before class would start. Every morning, we'd gather together in the chapel and we'd pray. And I remember listening to him pray. Well, the first time I listened to him pray, it was, to me, it was astounding to listen to the man pray. Uh, he got up there and, and, and just, he said, all right, I'm going to open us with prayer. Let's pray. And for the next hour, he prayed. He didn't have a sheet of paper in front of him. He didn't have a prayer list up there with him, but he prayed for the next hour. When Jesus went to the mountain to go pray, he had disciples falling asleep on him because he prayed too long. That song says, sweet hour prayer, sweet hour prayer. Right. Let me ask you something. I want you to examine your life. I want you to look at yourself. Have you ever prayed an hour? Have you ever prayed more than 10 minutes? Because when these guys came together, they didn't meet for two, three minutes, <coughs> have a prayer meeting and leave. They prayed and tell. Many people would not sign up to have a prayer meeting like that. Pray and tell. Let's, let's gather tonight at 6 o'clock to pray and tell. Until something happens. Until God moves. How many of us would sign on? See, these disciples, they wanted to pray. But not only did they pray, but they prayed in one accord. Seven weeks ago, we met together on a... Nine weeks ago, I don't know how long ago it was. We met together on a Sunday night. And we prayed. And we pray, I, I firmly believe we prayed unanimously. Yes. Yes. Guess what God did when we prayed unanimously? Yes. Six or seven people got saved. Yes. Family joined the church. Yes. Because that's what we prayed for. Do you know what I want God to do again? I, I want God to answer our prayers. Yes. But we have to go together to God on the same page 
with the same idea, with the same deal, praying unanimously for the same thing. In chapter 2, God comes down. Yes. I believe it's chapter 3 or 4. Again, God comes down and 5,000 people get saved. According to historians that I've read, that the church in Jerusalem had thousands and thousands and thousands of people in church in just a few months, a year or two. Thousands of people coming to church. And it all predicated on that one accord, unanimous, praying and supplicating and petitioning God for those things. They didn't stop. They didn't stop praying. They continued praying. So I ask you this. I'm done. I'm going to close. Can we? Can we pray unanimously? Can we put our differences aside and truly approach the throne of God for our church? For us, for this community, for this neighborhood, for our county, that God would reach, help our church reach our neighborhood. Can we? Can we pray that people get saved and people get baptized and folks join the church? Can can we join together in praying? Lord, I love you. I thank you for this morning. I know that, oh, wretched man that I am,